This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave Podcast. We're here to talk about the newest Netflix epic sci-fi expansion, adventure, whatever you guys want to call it, from Zack Snyder. This one is Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by Vinny Albano. Hello, hello. Pleasure to be here. And we got a lot to talk about, or maybe nothing to talk about. Oh, yeah. This this movie, uh, we're going to start with our non-spoiler thoughts. Um... Just kind of overall broad thoughts, and then I want to—I kind of want to talk to you about your history with Zack Snyder as a filmmaker, because he obviously has a very notorious um, reputation in Hollywood, and some of it is is well garnered. Some of it is things that I do think are unfair, and a lot is is not necessarily because of his doing. But I do think um, it's a worthy conversation to have. But Rebel Moon is a movie in which essentially Netflix went to Snyder, and they were like, "Hey." Like you originally pitched a R-rated Star Wars project to Lucasfilm. You're a huge Star Wars guy. We're looking for big tent poles. We're looking for new franchises. Like we don't have a sci-fi franchise here at Netflix. Like we will give you the money and you mm-hmm. go ahead and you make the movie you want to make. That was the way it was pitched to him. Yeah. Um, this movie, uh, though he said it was going to be a mature R-rated sort of edgy Star Wars take, what we got was a um, a PG-13 lackluster sort of retread of a lot of things that we've seen uh, in movies that are similar to this, whether it's mm-hmm. pulling things from star Wars, pulling things from things like blade runner, pulling things from universes like cyberpunk. It's obvious that some of this is not as much homage as it is um, just straight, essentially ripping things from other source material. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is a movie just to give the, I guess the broad strokes of what the story is. Essentially, uh, the film uh, follows a girl named Cora, who's played by Sophia Boutella, um, who is a woman essentially without a home. And she brings together a band of rebels to take down the villainous Atticus Noble and the Imperium, which is like the basic equivalent to what like the Empire is to Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me get your first thoughts without giving too much away. Yeah. So keeping it non-spoiler for right now, I think you you said it best. This film is a film with no depth at all (laughs) and it's hollow and there's no chemistry and everything that seems creative in this film feels recycled and it feels just blatantly ripped off from other properties like star wars and the plot is so akin to seven samurai but lacking all of what Seven Samurai made it great, like the chemistry between the characters, it strips all of that away. And we're given this just bland, cardboard, cookie cutter, Zack Snyder Star Wars that is trying to be edgy, but is clearly, you you know, suppressed by its PG-13 rating. And honestly... I was so uninterested throughout the entire runtime. There was a handful of action sequences and just sequences throughout where I was literally dazing off. I was just, I caught myself multiple times just thinking about something else. My attention was never caught into the film. And the more I talk about it, the more angrier I get. I'm not even going to lie because this film like wasted my time. I, I was writing my notes here for this review and 
you know, at first I was like, okay, that was bad. And then I'm writing my notes and more things come to mind and more things come to mind. And I started getting really angry. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is really bad because Zack Snyder could do better. We've seen him do better, but this was just, ah, this was not it. It was so not I, it. I have a question for you yeah. because I, 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 I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of your thoughts on the movie as well. But so I, I'm curious on based on the world that we are given. Yeah. Do you think there is something within there that could have made it a better movie or something that you appreciated that was established by Snyder and the writers on the film? Or did it feel mm. so lackluster in terms of sort of recycled material or, or copying off of other things that you didn't feel that at all, even in terms of maybe the visuals, which again, so much is referenced in his, in his past projects and that he, and I think you were the one who told me he was a cinematographer on this project, yes, which he's yeah, been he's the cinematographer seen. on a couple of his other films as well. Um, and he has a very obvious visual flair like that. Oh, is, yeah. There's Snyder has a very distinct voice in terms of visuals for his films. Um, so if you could just comment a little bit on, on that in the world and basically the visuals and, and if you had any positive takeaway in terms of what he was trying to establish to the audience. Yeah, no, 100%. I feel like we're definitely going to roast this film because neither of us had a overwhelmingly positive experience with this. But there is stuff there. It, just a little bit, just a little bit. But it, for me, it felt like a lot of missed potential. Let's go into the visuals, for example. So Snyder, like you mentioned, was DP on this film. And there are some shots that are beautiful. Um, however... There are a lot, in my opinion, that were just nasty. Uh, I think he lacks a proper sense of composition in a lot of his shots. You know, I, it feels like he's packing the frame with as much detail as possible. And it just ends up looking messy in the end. You know, not sometimes, like I mentioned, it can be beautiful. The starting planet that they start off with, with the, the farm the, like farm colony yeah, yeah yeah the farm colony there's some really nice shots there however however in that same planet there's times where he uses these really distorted anamorphic lenses and i feel he's using them not properly he's using them in a way where it's way too distorted and it's not emphasizing the subject in the frame and the frame just looks blurry and messy and just muddy and going on to the other planets you know you have uh, let's um there's actually we're gonna keep it non-spoiler for now mm. but there is a certain planet um it's a mining planet that they visit where i was like whoa there's some cool colors here right but it's just so packed with so much detail that it just makes it look messy in the end don't get me wrong, there's a shot here and a shot there that's really nice. Um, but ultimately, as a completed package, it doesn't really pass for me. And also, not to mention, going into the visuals, uh, his obsession with slow-mo. You know, slow-mo is cool. It's epic. But there's a lot of there slow There is way, 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 way too much slow motion in this mm. movie. In scenes, too, yeah. where... It doesn't call for it at all. In every single action scene, there are tons of slow motion. But let alone, <laughs> it's more than just the action scenes. There are scenes in which there is a flashback that shows a younger version of Korra's character. Yeah. Won't go into the heavy detail of what that is. But like, just there's a slow motion of her turning around. 
there's a slow motion yeah. of a character dropping rice yeah. on a planet. And it's just so gratuitous that it comes to a point where you're just like, what is going on right now? Like, why yeah. does it feel like I'm not actually watching a story being told that feels fluid? It like to me, I'm not a huge fan of slow motion. Um, I do think that, again, it calls attention to itself a little too much, especially if you do it to the point that Snyder does it in this film. Oh, 100 percent. And it just feels like it stalls them for a movie that's so bare bones. The fact that you're going to stall out even more of your audience by doing that is yeah. something that I'm like I don't I don't understand the the technique or the the idea behind why you believe that that's something that the audience would like. And I do worry that it feels like some of Snyder's movies feel like he's making it for him hmm. rather than making it for an audience and I think that's something that the more he does things like Rebel Moon, it's going to call more attention to itself. Because, like, for example, I was talking to uh, our former film teacher today on yeah. the phone about uh, Watchmen, which is a film that I think it's I think it's a little bit less divisive than some of his others. I think majority of people at least like Watchmen. Mm. But there are certain things where he tries to adapt the comic, but then he goes more of, like, a violence route versus a psychological route. Where the graphic novel focuses so much more on the psychology of what happens when superheroes are given like the like a longer leash or doing the wrong things. And things like that, it just is obvious that he's trying to take his interpretation and put that out there. Uh, and other things like Man of Steel, which like if you're if you're a purist Superman fan, like you're not a huge fan of that movie. Me, on the other hand, I actually really like I actually really enjoy Man of Steel. It's probably probably my f- probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie that I've seen. Hmm. Um, but when like things like army of the dead and things like Batman vs Superman and now this, it, it calls so much attention to the fact where it's like, he's trying to invest so much of what he wants rather than like a vision. It's more, it's more than just like giving a vision to an audience. It's yeah. like, I'm going to do what I want to do because I like, got a fan. And it's like, kind of like, I don't want to insult the guy, but it feels like it's like elevated fan fiction in a way. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I was actually going to use that same exact word because, you know, I feel bad, you know, just kind of, I feel bad, you know, giving hate towards directors and filmmakers because we've been, both of us have been behind the camera and we see how much effort and how much it goes people put into making a film and we're critical of ourselves yeah which like it's important to be like you have to understand you're gonna do one thing and you're gonna look back you might not love everything you did but it's a learning experience oh yeah 100 yeah, yeah. and you know i i almost feel bad but there is just some obvious negatives to this film that just drags it down and you know hopping or piggybacking off of how you mentioned fan fiction this feels so recycled from Star Wars. There's so many elements, so many just like direct, just, oh, this from Star Wars, that from Star Wars, this from Star Wars. And uh, essentially what I'm trying to get at here is kind of going back to my, uh, the original question you asked me is that I feel that he could have explored these concepts in his own way and he could have really explored them in an interesting way but they don't he doesn't you know so it's just left hollow and uninteresting for example um you know trying to stay non-spoiler for now but there is a planet with a king on it 
we do not see more than 10 square feet of that planet. And matter of fact, that goes for every planet they visit. They go to a planet and we see like 10 square feet of like. You get like the one expository wide where you, yeah. you start to see what the planet is and you get the title card, which feels very like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And then you're just kind of inserted in something that unfortunately it's like a lot of those scenes when you're in the planet then also feel like you're on a set. Yeah. That yeah. which which also hurts the film. Hmm. dramatically i think yeah yeah exactly and there's just so many concepts there that could have been explored could have been elaborated on but rather just feels it's not it's not and it feels recycled and it feels boring and just unoriginal just so very unoriginal so there could have been there could have been something there could have been something not to mention though i will say the one one thing that did interest me, because throughout the entire run of time, like I mentioned, I was uninterested. The one thing that I did interest me was Cora's backstory. You know, not diving too much into it, but there was some foundation there. And we don't really I don't know if part two is gonna expand on that or what's gonna happen. You know, it's also hard to judge because there's this whole question of a director's cut out there and then there's a part two so but everything else was just yeah fan fiction yes a lot a lot to dive into yeah. in terms of that so i do think we did a good job of kind of expanding on our thoughts on the film without giving away too many spoilers mm. so i do think that at this time we'll start to dive into the spoiler conversation so if you guys have not watched rebel moon part one a child of fire and you want to hear our full spoiler thoughts Go check out the movie yourself. It's on Netflix. You can stream it right now and then come back and listen to our full review. Or if you're the type of person that doesn't care about spoilers, hang on. We're going to get into that in a second because there are some things that we definitely have to discuss and we want to touch on on more detail. But just letting you guys know you have been warned. We're going to jump into spoilers. Hmm. Um, and I do think a good transitional point anyway to I, I guess maybe avoid spoilers for a little bit longer is – Talking about him as a filmmaker. Snyder is a filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. So he's directed this is this is his filmography. Yeah. Since he started as a, and he just started directing music videos, but in terms of feature films. Dawn of the Dead in 2004, followed by 300 in 2006, and Watchmen in, in 2009. And those are the three that sort of again catapulted Snyder to stardom. And Dawn of the Dead is a film I haven't seen. I have seen 300. I have seen Watchmen. Then he did the animated Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. He did Sucker Punch. Hmm. Uh, he did Man of Steel, which was his first foray into DC. And he did Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice, Justice League, which again he had to leave the production about midway through due to the loss of his daughter. Mm. So Joss Whedon sort of picked up that film, and though his name is attached to it, I don't really associate that as being a Snyder movie. He has his own version, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which came out in 2021, which is essentially like a four-part series, Army of the Dead, and then Rebel Moon. Um, He's a very hit or miss filmmaker for me, and he always has been. Uh, I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead. 300 is a movie that I, I I understand what he was going for, just doesn't really work for me. And I'm not a huge fan of the sword and sandals sort of genre in general. So to mm-hmm. me, that's just not a movie that really interested me a, a lot. But I respect the filmmaking that came out of that movie. Yeah. Watchmen I enjoyed a lot. Man of Steel I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Batman vs Superman I did not like. Yeah. But I was a big fan of his version of Justice League. Um and uh, Army of the Dead, I didn't, I didn't enjoy much at all. So, so much of my experience with him as a filmmaker 
is why I didn't go into this being like, oh, like one side or the other with the with the Snyder fans, where it's like you're either like absolutely live and die by everything he does, or just be like, oh, well, like everything about him is toxic and his fans are toxic. Like I'm not yeah. on that side of the fence, yeah. so I don't want to shit on him as a filmmaker because there are things that he's done that I really like. This movie, though, similar to what we were saying, it's just there's so much of a like I, there, I have it in my notes. There's just a lack of everything. Yeah, it, it yeah. feels it feels like a movie that is and it's hard to even say incomplete, but it just feels like it was chopped. Mm-hmm. The whole movie just takes giant sections that it feels like there was supposed to be so much more there and it chops it in weird points. And uh, like there are character introductions that the characters barely get any dialogue. And then the next time you see them, they're in the crew and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so going into the movie, I, w- I was still I was I was relatively optimistic before i heard some of the critics because this is a movie that was kind of torn apart critically and uh the the rotten tomatoes critic score has gone up Mm. uh but it started at a nine percent i think it's now at about 20 here i actually have it up i think it's at 25 percent and the audience score is at 64 which would make it a fresh movie um but again how much of that is snyder fans you don't know right um but yeah this movie it's not good it, yeah. It's not good, and it's there's so much baked into the fact that he 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 truly tries to establish an entirely new lore, which I appreciate. But at the same time, when you're not baking enough of it within your lore to actually explore these new themes within this new world, and and I don't know how you felt, but like early on in the movie, I was somewhat interested. Like I I thought that. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Corey Stoll, who plays the uh, the I guess the ruler of the farm colony in the beginning, Sindri, and uh, I just like him from a lot of other things I've seen him, and I think he's a super underrated actor. So I appreciated seeing him early on. Sophia Boutella, I've liked some things she's been in. I like the first look we get of the of the farm colony and the community that's established there. At least gives you some sort of understanding of who these people are and what they mean to one another. Yeah. Uh, then you get the introduction to uh, Ed Scrine's villainous Atticus Noble, which I really like that scene. Uh, and it really helps establish, again, like how terrible of a person he is. But basically from that point forward, you don't have much to work with. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know how you felt about the opening scene, uh, but I'm curious on that as well as – um, just some other roundabout thoughts that you wanted to get off your chest now that we're talking spoilers. Yeah. So, um, for me, I felt a little different with the opening. I just couldn't really get into it, you know, and that was for the entire film because the opening, although I, I do think the opening is the most solid the film gets, you know, cause like you mentioned, you have that sense of community and people are talking to each other. Characters are actually interacting. interacting. Yes. Except for, you know, later in the film when you have the main like group of heroes and they don't ever talk to each other and they don't like it just blows my mind and they just join this crew for no fucking reason at all. Uh, anyhow, for me, although that was the most solid part, and I got really interested with the robot that's played by Anthony, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the most intriguing character. And another one that unfortunately yeah. is ba- – he actually probably gets more exploration than five out of the seven crew members 
yeah. but they don't go deep enough yeah with yeah. his character at all yeah once the i mean they're probably going to explore him in part two you hope but yeah you know once they leave that planet we don't ever see him again until the last shot or one of the last shots of the film and in that last shot he's just kind of in the foreground chilling so but for me reason i couldn't get into it it felt very recycled it just didn't feel original like it felt like the, they were establishing the their empire you know and they were establishing their farm village and i was like okay this is just seven samurai and then you know the nazi influenced empire comes down and then i'm like okay this is just the empire from star wars very in your face nazi influence oh yeah they're literally wearing essentially space nazi outfits it's like it's very on the nose oh yeah 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 and uh, that's for me like i i you know what really made that opening strong is like i mentioned anthony hopkins robot and like his interaction with the sam character and then there was like a good guy soldier on the side of the empire that you don't even see. Yeah, after, he doesn't get explored at all. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what his deal is. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, I just still couldn't get into it. It was just felt like it was recycled, and I've seen this before. I've seen that before. This it just felt directly ripped off. Yeah. So I w- I do agree with what you were saying too. My favorite scene in the movie is probably the scene that that Jimmy, which is Anthony Hopkins' character, has with Sam, mm. where you actually again get a little bit more backstory on who he is why he refuses to fight anymore for the uh, Imperium, as well as the humanity that comes from a character like Sam, where she puts the flower crown on top of his head. That's a real character moment. And that's something where it also doesn't feel like garbled dialogue that is just there for the sake of piecing words together to make it sound like something that's sci-fi. There's actually something that's built in there. And there's, there's an established character within him and there you you understand that sam is a caring individual by doing something where it's actually showing you rather than telling you mm-hmm. where i do feel that cora and I, I i can respect where you're coming from where they do explore cora obviously the most because she is what the film revolves around and she's the leader of the group and she's the hero but even so much of what she's doing so much of her role in the film is this is Imperium. This is what they're doing. This is really evil. Yeah. We need to go get this person because they're good at this thing. And we need to stop these people because they did this to me. And it feels so um, generic. It, it feels it feels like something that, like again, like AI could write it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and that's what I di- really didn't love about her character and, and just the, especially like the, the script is a disaster. Oh, yeah. Like the script for this film is not in a place – where it feels like it's establishing anything. It feels very video game-like hmm. and not in a good way. Like there, The thing is there are good video games with great story and great dialogue. That's not what this is. This is very – like you, you've said multiple times, too hollow. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, like it's really hard. This movie's not organic. Yeah. Uh, they're, um, the characters are very feeble. There's not much substance – to basically any of them. I mean, you get a little bit of context with Charlie Hunnam's character of Kai. And again, we're talking spoilers if you guys haven't followed that already. But you get his eventual turn, which also comes at a very weird time because as we talked about right before we started rolling, there's 
again, a handful. There's a handful of scenes, maybe three, in a two-hour and 15-minute movie where you get some sort of character development or something that at least adds value to what a character is or could bring or is establishing themselves as. And one of those scenes is a scene between Hunnam's Kai character and uh, Korra, and it's right before they're about to go into this giant space battle with with uh, the Imperium, and it feels very flirty. And he yeah. exchanges a look with Korra, and she kind of gives a look back and and gives a wink to one another. And I watched this film with my brother, and we paused the movie, and he turned to me. He goes, "Did they establish that they like had a thing at all?" No. And they don't. Yeah. And it just happens. And then the next time that they're together, he turns on her, mm-hmm. and he turns on all of them. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like, it just comes out of nowhere. There's nothing that makes you feel like it was a fulfilling turn. There's nothing that makes you feel like anything that these characters are doing is earned. And some of it, again, is not as a lack of their ability to act. So much of it is baked in these characters. Jaimon Hansu's character is another one that I will go on a tangent yeah. because his character is one – a former Academy Award nominated actor and a guy who's very respected in the industry goes into this movie as a former general turned alcoholic homeless man mm. who gets three lines of dialogue in the movie and you don't even see him in the battle sequences. And it's like yeah. there's no way in my mind, in my opinion – I'd love to sit down with him and talk about this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. There's no way you sign on to this film knowing that you are going to be – in this film for basically five to six minutes, have no dialogue and be billed and shown in the trailers as much as you are. Hmm. There's no way that's what he signed up for. There's no way he read the script unless they had like character Bibles that they had whole backstories with these characters. And he's like, maybe I can showcase some of that in a different way, but still like, why would you sign up for this movie if you're reading this script? And that's why I think like, We've talked a little bit about it, but the director's cut, if and when that does – it will happen. I shouldn't say if. When we get the R-rated director's cut of Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, yeah, it I think could at least be passable. Now, will it be a great movie? I highly doubt it. There's too much in this mm. that doesn't lend itself well to actually establishing something that makes me excited to even see that. Like, And the unfortunate thing is like with Justice League for me, it's like – as a comic book fan and a comic book hero fan, like, and knowing what happened and came with that production, mm. I was just excited for his version of Justice League because there was so much that was left on the table that was scrapped once he left the production. With this, he had control of all of it. He had control of the story. He had the time to work on the story. He had a fully realized version of this, and he either didn't get a director's – like, he didn't get Final Cut or, like you've mentioned – it's or I don't know if you've said this while we were recording. I forget, but it's an issue that you can't bake in a fully passable story yeah. and do that within a two hour and fifteen minute time frame. Mm. When you you compare that to something that we just talked about uh, in yesterday's recording, The Iron Claw, where it's a two hour and ten minute film about an iconic wrestling family with tons of backstory and tons of tragedy, and they had to literally take things out because it was so packed, but they did it in a way where the movie is so succinct that two of us gave it a 10 and you're on the fence of giving it potentially a 10 as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's problematic Hmm. because this is something that's original and this is wholly original and giving you so much free reign in sci-fi. There's so much room to just play around in that genre and 
something like the Iron Claw, it's like you're basing it off a true story. There is drama. There's family involved. Yeah. So how is it that we get this this half baked thing? Like I, I, it drives me up a wall and it makes me crazy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, you said it best. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off of, you know, this as this whatever this cut is. Um, and then I want to go back to the characters, uh, but dude, like it's a two hour and 20 minute film. If you're still not able to properly establish things and get people's attention in two hours and 20 minutes, yeah, a director's cut and a part two and, you know, fucking five more hours of footage, it might help. But still, you have been given more than enough time, and there's still nothing to latch on here. There's still nothing. It just showcases just poor story ability. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if whatever – I don't know the behind the scenes of what went on with you know Zach or if Netflix was – you know putting their fingers into things and, and twisting things around. But uh, yeah, it still uh, astonishes me how even still in two hours and 20 minutes, you still can't properly grab my attention and establish things properly. Uh, going back to the characters, you know, this also interweaves into that conversation. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the character of General Titus, who, uh, you know, he's introduced and then... I like how you said the words organic and earned because, like you mentioned, they're not – the whole film feels non-organic. The whole film feels not earned and that's a perfect example of that scene where they just go up to him and he's – they're like, join our crew. And he's like, no. And they go, hey, hey, what if you join our crew for revenge? And then it cuts to him on the ship, right? <laughs> and then it's like that for every fucking character. Like, it's not earned at all. And, and and like you mentioned, he only gets three lines of dialogue. We never see him talk again until like a part during the final battle. Like he says some random shit that I don't even remember. And it just it happens multiple times. The samurai woman who... Her name was Nemesis. I had to look that up 10 minutes after I finished the movie because I couldn't even remember anyone's names. So I was looking things up. Anyhow, not to get on a tangent, but her, right? They're like, okay, let's find another badass crew member. They go to this, this cobalt mining planet and they're like, here she is. And she's like, okay. And then she has a battle because they're like, hold on, hold on. Yeah. We gotta take care of this this spider creature woman who's uh you know torturing or uh, terrorizing the people here so she fights this spider woman and saves this this child from the spider woman and okay you know battle scene ends and uh, everyone's just sitting literally everyone's just standing there right and oh charlie hunnam's character sorry charlie hunnam's character goes oh that was like badass or he says something like that and then she goes this is some this isn't this is dishonorable like this isn't something to to look towards and then it at this point i thought they were gonna talk i thought they were gonna interact i thought they were gonna be like okay so here's our deal at the village and you know the imperium and they're doing bad shit right 
That's the last line of dialogue in that scene. Hard cut. She's on the ship. She's just on the ship now. And there's no further, you know, interaction to the scene prior to her on the ship besides her introduction fighting the Spider-Woman, which is a cool scene. You know, the concept is really cool. Um, But there's no... The action is there for the sake of being action and having a battle scene to try to make your character seem badass. They do the similar thing with Tarek's character when Tarek is essentially imprisoned (sighs) by this dude. And uh, because I... Yeah, they get... So it's basically Korra and Gunner go. Then they wind up picking up Kai, like, coincidentally. Yeah. Then they go get Tarek and Tarek is this imprisoned guy. And... uh, his handler, I guess you can call him, is basically like, he goes, you guys don't have enough money to pay for him? He's like, well, I, boy, I like to gamble. And he's like, so... Such he a goes, he goes, cheap way, too. It's so such insane. a cheap way of being like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win him over, of course. <laughs> this movie's such a pile of shit. So, so then he goes, then he's basically like, I love to gamble. He goes, so, he goes, basically, he goes... He's going to go see if he can ride this giant bird. <laughs> and if he can't ride this giant bird, then you guys are all going to be in shackles. And they're like, all right. <laughs> so then he goes outside. Yeah. He talks to the bird. Again, visually, a cool sequence. Him riding the bird. Very cool. Yeah. I like that aspect of it. But there's barely, like, even when the dialogue is in, the like, that's the other part of it, too. The, the, there's so much lacking in terms of dialogue and character development in this. But when you have moments where you can actually build it up, all of the dialogue is is like I had talked about. It's such – it's just putting words together to make you f- understand nothing. Like because you don't – you yeah. still – you're coming out of this movie after sitting there for two hours and 20 minutes despite possibly uh, the dazing off. But like you're looking up everything about the movie as soon as it ends because nothing yeah. is sticking with you because none of it is worthy of sticking with you except for the scenes – that again, the battle scenes, which are visually like it's it's easier to remember something visually, and then the scene with with Sam and Jimmy's character, where it, it actually has some symbolic value and some actual character development. Um, yeah, yeah, all the characters are introduced, and then nothing happens with them. Yeah, can you? I bet you one thing. Do you remember the important detail? The important quote unquote detail about Tarek's character. <laughs> The important detail about his character. He was, uh, I believe, I believe, this is, you know, <laughs> riding off of what you just said. Like, I don't even remember. I don't even, like, I watched this movie. I finished it maybe two or three hours ago. I don't even remember if this is correct, but he's like a prince or something. Oh, shit. yes. They yeah. said at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right before like, the bat when they capture everybody. Yeah. Yes. He's a prince and he was or he owes a debt to the Imperium and nothing is a st- nothing is explored nothing. there. Nothing is explored there. They're just like, oh yeah, he's a prince. Yeah. And that, instead that, of that, establishing that in a conversation on the ship, yeah. maybe traveling to go get somebody else and establishing I I have uh or like um, him being like, so why do you want me to be a part of this cause anyway? Yeah. And then she'll explain her thing and he's like, I can – and then you can – and I'm not a huge fan of flashback. But at that point, you could use flashback to show something that happened and came to him and, and it at least establishes an ideal or a value of why he's doing what he's doing. Instead of just being like, oh, you guys need my help? Sure. Yeah. I'll fucking ride this bird. You guys want me to come help you and kill a bunch of people? Sure. I'll do that. 
Like there's nothing there. There's yeah. literally nothing there. Yeah. And like you said, I get, the only time you get that is even in the little scene with Giant Mount Hansu when they're like, you want revenge? And he doesn't even give an answer. It just yeah. cuts to him on the ship. So it's like, I guess he wants revenge. Or else, I don't know why else they're doing it. Yeah. Like, what are they offering? Money? <laughs> like, you don't fucking know because you have no idea. They just cut. So, yeah, everything, man. Like, the ed- the editing for the – and it sucks because, again, aesthetically, like, there are scenes where the CGI, unfortunately, like, is not great. But there are other scenes where the CGI is fantastic. Mm. And it doesn't look like they're on sets at all. It looks really, really great. And the costume design is unique. And the character designs are unique. And – but then – Everything that bakes it into making it a movie, things like that, that piece it all together, things like the script, things like, and I don't even, I, I hate saying it like this because like we've, and luckily this year, and we talked about Iron Claw yesterday, like there's been such great performances. It's such a hard year for what all these award ceremonies are going to bring. And, and I don't think not, I don't think everybody in this film is a bad actor at all. Mm. But the acting is not good because there's nothing there. And I, I do feel like the two yeah. people that are given the mo- – like, again, I, I actually probably would say Ed Scrine, the villain, is probably the best in this movie in terms of really? like – Yeah, I, I okay. do. But I but I can understand how it could be too too over the top and too, too – again, like I think you had, had a note like Jared Leto Jokery. Yeah. And I can see yeah. that. But I do think that at least he makes the most of what he's given. And 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 I think that 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 shows itself within the film. Uh, Sophia Butella again. I think she's just a very raw actress. I, she hasn't led a lot of films. She's a former model, and she's really great with fight choreography. Like the first time I saw her was in Kingsman, hmm. and she's fantastic in that movie. But I think she just needs a little bit more seasoning. I don't yeah. think she's yeah. really that bad. And I, I'm I'm a Sons of Anarchy fan, uh, but Charlie Hunnam for me too. It's like. He did an English. He did a um, an American accent in that, and it it was constantly coming out his British accent. And then this, for some reason, they make him Scottish, and yeah, it doesn't yeah. fit his character at all. And he's not very good at a Scottish accent, so that doesn't help either. And and you're so yes, the the writing is not good, the editing is not good, the directing is not good, the acting is not good. A lot of things yeah. that are essential to making a good movie. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, man! I'm mean, yeah. You you hit a home run there. You hit this is. I do. I feel like we have to give scores at this point because how much more do we have to talk about? You, I do kind of want to shit a little bit more on, <laughs> on a, a little bit more elements. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about this one scene. Really pissed me off. There's a character called Darren Bloodaxe, right? They're like a oh, Ray Fisher's character. Yes, yes, yes. And her, his brother, or sorry, his sister. sister. Yes, uh, they're a. Uh, there are a couple of uh, siblings that are leading the rebellion. And this scene really pissed me off because I don't know if like many people pick this up either, but he's like rallying his troops like, all right, who's going to fight for these guys? But he's rallying his troops in the most room tone volume voice like, all right, they're here and you know, they're getting attacked by the Imperium, guys. You know, like you should, uh, you should, you should fight for them. And it's so there's no charisma in in his dialogue. And you know, I'm not familiar with him as an actor, um, so I don't doubt his acting ability. I think it is the script here because and the direction because he's not 
charismatic in his leadership. He, there's no hoorah right, yeah. or anything. There, he's just like talking in a room tone voice, like room volume voice to like these hundreds of people in front of him. And there's just, it feels like there's nothing there. Um, and then talking about the villains too. I know you said you liked their performances, which I, I totally understand. Like, they're definitely putting, or uh, sorry, what was his name? Uh, uh, the the actor's name? Ed, the actor's uh, name. Ed Skrine. Ed Skrine. Yeah, he's yeah. the villain in the first Deadpool movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely putting effort forth. You can tell that. Uh, however, for me, like, just he, the character felt very, like, suicide joker, and it felt cartoony. so, so, yeah, cartoony, like, cookie cutter like nazi like villain we don't really there's no exploration on him there's also a very weird scene which i felt was i have a feeling was cut because of the pg-13 read rating where he's you know in this recreational room and he's like plugging tubes into him and i guess this is like drugs or medicine and then, you know, he's kind of like, he, he seems like he's being relieved. He has, like, other marks. You know, he's done this before. Mm. And then he's being talked to by a messenger of the Imperium. And then he's, like, walking and he walks back into, like, these tentacles. And I don't know if this is, like, a sexual innuendo. It seems or... like he got seduced by yeah. whatever the tentacles were. Yeah. And you don't know what happened there. And it, it just feels like, yeah, we're edgy villain. And he's, he's kooky and crazy, you know. Yes, sex with tentacles, right? <laughs> um, but, I mean, the film, it's PG-13. It just cuts away. And, I mean, we're never... We don't, really, I, don't, I have no fucking clue I, what that th was. There, there, are some, <laughs> yeah. there are some interesting, like, death scenes. But that's the other part, too, where it's like... I just thought of this as you're talking about it in terms of the rating, too. Yeah. Um, when Sindri's character is killed early on in the film... Uh, and he hits him over the head with the uh, with like his giant shillelagh. Essentially, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. He hits him with that, and then he starts beating down on him. And for some reason, like part of me even thinks based on the way that that was shot and the way that cuts. Oh, that maybe that was shown. Like that was like in the R-rated version, we're going to see a very brutal killing of, of Sindri's character, and it might be similar vibes where like you start to get some more of these death scenes that occur. That like maybe you get a flashback of Jaimon Hansu's character as a general like brutally killing people, but like we have no context of that. We yeah. have no idea of what the and I think so much of where it's hard to not hard to, but it's like we have to judge this movie based on its merits and what it is. And I will watch the R-rated cut when it comes out because I'm curious and because again yeah. I respect Snyder enough of as as a filmmaker, and I'm such a I'm such a fan of the of the Justice League, his version of it, mm. that I think it's astonishingly way better of a movie. And again, it's it's hard oh, to even yeah. really categorize yeah. it as a movie because it's like a four hour part one, part two, part three, part four. Yeah. But this you you have to judge it based on what it is. And and you're right, there's just like really weird moments that don't have much explanation. And there was a quote that I saw in a review that I really wanted to highlight. Because I think it perfectly like encapsulates what we're saying in from a critic's eyes. This is from Donald Clark of the Irish Times. Okay, he says there are endless hunks of spoken exposition. There is a lot of space travel. A great many uninteresting people are introduced, and by the first hour, all narrative drive has slackened into a limp connecting thread. 
I think that's a pretty great way to sum up what Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, at least was to me, and it sounds like it was to you as well. Yeah. No, that was perfectly, excellently well put. Um, you know, you even mentioned about how the film is cut, you know, probably because of the rating. Um, I'm curious if in the director's cut, like you mentioned, that we'll maybe see more brutal deaths, and maybe that will make the villains and uh, the villains in here, you know, his uh, the admiral's character more intimidating and it will also make the her heroes motivations more like hoorah let's go heroes but as of now in this cut it's so uh, like from the irish times it's limp it has no it's it's never running on its feet and if it does if there is moments where it feels as if it's running it's falling over and it's tumbling and it's falling and it's on its knees and towards the end of the movie it's like crawling yeah so for sure all right, yeah. should we give it? Should we give it a score? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do you you want to start? Yeah. Okay. What I'm giving this it? a three out of ten. A three yeah. out of ten. <laughs> yeah. That I think is a is a new low on this network. Really? Yeah. Really? But I'm not far behind you. Okay. Um, my overall score is a four. Okay. So I give it yeah. a little bit higher of a score, but four is still under average. Yeah. Uh, and it's a low score. It's, I think it's it's probably the lowest score. I've given this year there might be one other film that ironically is another Netflix movie mm. that I didn't I reviewed on the blog but I didn't review it on here that I gave a lower uh, score to. Yeah. But for this movie having so much hype behind it too and just being from a filmmaker of Snyder's caliber and the $165 million budget whether that's – I think that is for the combined production of the two films but – like what a, again like you talk about a waste of time as a viewer but it's like what a waste of money like to, oh, to like yeah. it's unfortunate that it, 166 million dollars right yeah like i yeah. think 165 anywhere from 165 to 170 but it's like that's if if this is what the product is and that's where you're going to put your money where your mouth is so to speak and i was saying this to uh, our producer today Zach before we were recording that um the first week, I think it's done 24 million views on Netflix, which again sounds like a large number, right? But you also uh, – we're starting to get more information on what views mean versus minutes viewed and all that stuff with Netflix giving their numbers out. But Your Place or Mine, which was a rom-com that came out in February on Valentine's Day with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher, I had seen on Netflix, actually did 7 million more views in its first week than this film did. Really? Which is telling because huh. it's like – again, it's like one – is it that this movie isn't living up to what it is? And if did the critics sort of uh, like the parade of critics coming out that this, saying this movie was a slog and it was bad, did that hurt it? Or also part of it is like, do you have the viewership within your baked in Netflix base that they want a big grandiose space adventure coming yeah. from the guy who did Watchmen and and Batman versus Superman and 300? Like, yeah, that might this might not be the place for him, you know, and. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he was doing things with DC, at least like Warner Brothers, they come from the background where like you have things that are at least grittier like the Dark Knight trilogy. And and there was something that was established that he could be what he wanted to be. And that's where like this movie, it's it's like even Army of the Dead was rated R. And you got to see what he was trying to accomplish with that movie. This film almost doesn't feel like a film. Like yeah. it just feels like you said, like cardboard. It feels like you're just drawing things out. And it's like you spent two hours sitting there and establishing a universe and establishing characters but not actually giving any weight to them or any yeah. emotion to them whatsoever. You know what it 
now that you mention it, you know what the visual that came to mind is when you're writing a script, it feels like he made an outline, right? And he established an outline of the script, you know? He hasn't even wrote the first draft yet. And then he made a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it's like it you took like. the outline yeah. and then you fed it into AI. Yeah, yeah. It's like you had a fully fledged outline and then you gave it to AI and it came up with a story. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. That's and that makes like. me sad because that, that's there. And like I, I hate saying that because there are real writers that are attached to this, including Snyder. And it just I don't know, man, that like this is. I, this is not like a career ender. This is not a career killer. It's nothing like that. But it's it's such a lackluster everything that it's hard. To, I will watch the raw rated version and then I'll come back and review that, which I think yeah. would be fun for us to do. Yeah. But it's hard for me to want to invest in anything else that Netflix has down the pipeline with this cinematic universe that they're establishing, which I hate that that's a thing now too. It's like yeah. let's just get through one film and then let's see what comes of that. Like that, like when Marvel first started doing things with Iron Man, even like they never like, yes, of course, they had the Nick Fury stinger at the end. But nobody really made much of that because Mm -hmm. that movie was produced by a different company. It wasn't owned by Disney at the time. And then they started to bring everything together. They're doing a Rebel Moon comic. They're doing a Rebel Moon video game. They're doing um, maybe a Rebel Moon television series. Like what am I taking away from this film that makes me want to explore anything else in this world other than visuals? Yeah. But you don't nothing like there's nothing you can even kind of latch onto to sort of be excited about yeah and even the visuals like i mentioned i felt like there was moments that were nice to look at but most of the film looked very messy to me and you know i i feel that Zack snyder has the potential to do better he has the potential to do better like just the his cut of the justice league was like you mentioned it was a pure example of okay he can do something here you know what i mean i didn't think that cut was amazing but it was leagues better than the weeding cut so it's just a shame that you know whatever went on behind the scenes this is what we ended up with you know so yeah that's it. that's it that's that's it. we we just spent a good chunk of time talking about Zack snyder's sci-fi uh epic adventure rebel moon part one yeah a child of fire and i think that uh let us know in the comments whether you guys were a fan of this movie are you a Zack snyder fan does that play into uh like were you just excited to see another project from snyder and one as as big and expansive as what he tried to establish here with this film. Um, be sure to like this video. If you guys haven't already, please subscribe to our channel, the culture wave media network, hit that bell for alerts. when we have new videos coming out. We got a lot of other stuff coming for you guys. We got more reviews coming this week, including maestro. We have poor things coming. Uh, the new year is coming, which means even more new film and television to talk about. We're actually going to be doing our first live stream as well. Coming up soon. We're going to be doing the Emmy awards with a lot of us here. I think, I think all of us are actually, going to be on that which is going to be a lot of fun yeah um so stay tuned for that that'll be the night of the emmys um if you guys don't already follow us at cinema wave media we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on threads we're also on tiktok you guys can also follow us at underscore culture wave media and at jersey's finest pod also on instagram just signing off i am darian scalamoni and i'm Vinny albano and we'll see you guys next time